Hello, welcome to today's episode of the Clinical Care Options podcast series, A Bold Panoramic Grasp of Tardive Dyskinesia. I'm Dr. Joseph McAvoy, a professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Health Behavior at Augusta University in Georgia. With me today to discuss uh, her experience with tardive dyskinesia is one of my patients, Leslie. So Leslie, let's get started. First, let me thank you for joining us to, to talk about this today. Certainly, thanks for having me. Now, my understanding is that over the past years, you've had some depression and uh, it, it's required uh, treatment uh, to help uh, that included medicines like aripiprazole, uh, quetiapine, and others from that same class. Is, is that many, many, many others, yes. When did these movements come on the scene? About how long ago? I was trying to, to think about that last night. It's probably been 10 plus years ago. Okay. And um, at the time, I did not have insurance, and I was being seen at um, a government facility here in Augusta. Um, and I, my movement disorder had become so extreme, and and I was also stuttering to the point of um, people could not understand me. And so I, I went out to the facility and um, the nurse took me directly back to the chief medical director um, to show him to me. Um, and they were quite concerned about it. Um, what were the what were the first movements that you recognized? You felt you know it was the uh, limb involuntary limb movement. Could you describe them? Um, it's just a, a inability to control um, my arms flailing, my legs flailing, much more than twitching, but actually flailing. I was falling down a lot because of it. Um, and the stuttering was very bad. Yeah. Were, were you the first person to notice this or did a family member or a friend or some, some no, other person? I I was the first person to notice it, and then my family became very concerned about it. Sure. Obviously. Sure. So you mentioned stuttering. Uh, I notice even now when we're talking, at times your your tongue kind of flickers across the front of your, your mouth, and at times your jaw uh, seems to move uh, when it wouldn't naturally be moving given what you're saying. So what do you experience? What do you notice? Um, it's kind of hard to just to describe. I can kind of in the soft tissue of my, like under my tongue, 
um, I can feel something. It's it's not. It doesn't hurt. Um, it's just sort of an uncomfortable feeling, and I can notice my jaw, not necessarily twitching, but you know, movement that you know I'm not. Um, you know, it's you're you're not initiating. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And how about your arms? What kind of movements uh, do you have now in terms of your arms? I don't notice um, any particular involuntary movement with my arms. Okay. So that's clear. Yes, sir. Okay. So, given that you had these movements. Did they affect how you lived your life? Did it change anything about what you do? Uh, When at the time when it was at its worst, yes, I I could no longer drive. Um, As I said, I was falling down quite a bit. I had to start using uh, paper plates and paper cups because I was dropping uh, things. Uh, You know, cooking became hazardous. Um, It had had a huge impact on my life. So this was this was quite moderately severe to severe tardive dyskinesia, and I, I, I heard from other. Uh, folks who've experienced this that you know the same thing you said that if if they're holding a glass or a cup or a plate if they turn their attention to anything else other than making sure their hand is holding that glass they're at risk for for dropping it is that an experience Uh, yes i I dropped and broke many things (laughs) did you continue to have regular contact with your family during this time Yes. Okay. And they, and they they remain very supportive. Yes. Did you stop going out? Things like the grocery store or a trip to the bank? Oh, oh most definitely. It was very isolating because it was uh, hugely embarrassing. I, I looked like um, a, a freak. I, yeah, it was it was terrible. Yeah, yeah, you're very fortunate. You had family, you know, who were very supportive and close. Because, as I'm as I'm sure you're aware, if you if you suffer from depression, the last thing you want is to be more isolated. Exactly. Yes. Getting was- out, and having social contact, or having a a hobby, or a club or volunteering or working, all of these things seem to be helpful for people who suffer from depression. Exactly. But no, I um I did not go anywhere um except to doctor's offices. What what would you like to tell other folks who, you know, are in the uh, similar situation where perhaps they have some depression, they've been taking medicines for a good while, the medicines are helping, 
providing some help for the for the depression, and they they notice, uh, or a family member or a friend or somebody notices uh, uh, some movements. What would you suggest? I would suggest they find a very reputable neurologist immediately. Um, I went through, um, as I say, I kind of started at the um, state facility, um, but I was, I can't remember now the types of doctors I was sent to or went to, but um, it took me a long time to get to a neurologist. Um, and so, you know, my advice would be to, you know, skip, skip the GPs and the, the other, I can't remember the other. Yeah, um, get, get to people with some specialization. Yes. Area of these, of these. Yes. Disorders. Get, get to them very, very quickly. Let me ask you, did, did the movements uh, affect your eating? Um, it was physically with a fork to mouth. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, the mechanics of your eating, I meant. Yes, exactly. Yes, it did. Yeah. How about it, chewing and swallowing? Um, not so much chewing and swallowing. It just permeated everything. In my life, uh, I had developed balance issues, um, just, you know, like you say, eating, mm-hmm. you know, getting dressed, you know, trying to do buttons mm. or something like that. Think, you know, things that, that you did automatically it, before. Right. Um, things like that that are, you know, you kind of take for granted, um, I I couldn't do. Is there anything you could do to stop or or limit the amplitude of the movements? Absolutely not. I had no control. You were not initiating them and you could could not manage them. Yeah. They just kept going. Yes. Am I right in, in that they started as you woke up in the morning and they kept going the whole day until you went to sleep at night. Correct. Was there anything you uh, would do that would make them worse? If you had, for example, an extra cup of coffee, did that make them worse? Or uh... um, No, I don't, I don't recall anything aggravating it. It just seemed to be on that um, kind of high, high scale of of disorder, uh, all all the time. I, I don't recollect anything helping it particularly, or anything further aggravating it. It did. It did have a progression. I, it you know it started out a little bit. You know with you know, lesser movement issues grew into completely unmanageable, you know, just movement 
disorders. Mm-hmm. Did you ever become disheartened by it? Get sad? Oh, absolutely. Most definitely. As I said, I, I lived alone then as I do now. Um, I, I couldn't drive. Um, so, and I was embarrassed to socialize. Um, so it just, I was, uh, became a shut-in. I am quite isolated now, more so due to, um, well, I can't, I can't drive anymore. Um, and with the depression, not necessarily related to this TARDS kinesia. Um, I am very uncomfortable in social situations because of my jaw issues. And I, I do have a little bit of a stutter. Um, I'm not sure if a lot of people could pick up on it, but I notice it. And I notice this jaw issue, and it makes me very uncomfortable in social social situations. So that combined with the depression, um, uh, I, I I do I isolate. You know, I isolate myself and have great anxiety. You know, when I have to go to a social function or, you know, those types of things. Are there other points you want to make about this experience? I think we've kind of covered the, you know, the the gravity of it. Um, And as I said before, my big takeaway from it is you know, to find a neurologist quickly. <laughs> um, yeah. I, um, you know, one's not able to control the movement. Yeah. Um, and uh, for me, for myself anyway, um, the only relief I got from it was when I got to a neurologist and okay. got on proper medication. Excellent. So so you, you, what you're saying again is that uh, not everybody really recognizes, understands, knows this problem and no. what to do about it. But uh, when you finally, and it sounded like you had to uh, you know, push a bit yourself to get uh, to to get the proper referral to get to see a neurologist to get on some medicines that have yes I, I you most definitely have to be a very strong advocate for yourself um, and if the you know if your GP can't help you and he refers you to someone and that person can't help you you've just got to keep going. Um, I did a lot of legwork on my own, um, trying to seek out answers. And I had never heard of 
the term tardive till I got to a neurologist. No other doctor I saw um, mentioned it or maybe didn't know of it. I don't know. But that tardive dyskinesia was not in my vocabulary until I got to a neurologist. All right. Well, thank you very much for this conversation, Leslie. Thank you all for listening. We hope that you found this discussion informative for your clinical practice. For more information on this series, please visit the show notes. Thank you.